Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. Yes, I am recording after being at a legal conference in Vegas. So if you're like, Emily, you sound like a lounge bar. Yes. <laughs> yes, I still do. Why? Because I was talking way too much, way too loud, with way too much background noise in way too many different places. And it was incredible. But more about that on a live stream over on YouTube. Today, we have to talk about all of the Girardi stuff that popped off while I was getting onto planes and then in Vegas. So much has happened. It's been absolutely wild. There was a big win in court for Erica, two new lawsuits being filed in the bankruptcy that spill all of the tea. The mistress apparently got like 300K directly out of the client trust account. Oh, while she was a sitting judge, she's now retired. So if I say former judge, just know I mean retired judge. I don't mean former, you know, retired, not like hasn't been stripped of the title. Retired judge, 300K. And, and I have the list of the jewelry, the friend, mistress, mistress, the mistress gave back to Tom Girardi. And not only that, but we learned that this affair was not a little thing, but a four year affair while Girardi was married to Erica. And we'll talk about the type of jewelry that the mistress gave back that is going up for auction, along with Erica's earrings that are going up for auction and some more details about the earrings that I hadn't known. Oh, and there's pictures. Yeah, by the time we get to the end of it, there's pictures. So if you're listening in the audio only, it will be timestamped on the YouTubes if you want to go see the auction information. So we have lawsuits over legal lenders, we have mistress property getting auctioned off. We have the Girardi earrings going up for auction. Erica getting yeeted from a case and more. Just buckle up. It is so much to cover today. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. It doesn't have to be expensive to be you and keep your nails done. You know how I feel about keeping my nails done and that I'm kind of useless with nail polish, mostly because I'm ADHD and can't wait for it to dry. The Olive and June Press-On Nail System is a fantastic option because the all-in-one Press-On Manicure System is easy to use. It comes with everything you need, fantastic designs without trying to do them yourself. And they last for two plus weeks. No need for an appointment at the salon. No need to spend all that money. And they have so many sizes, it's really easy to find your perfect fit. The kit comes with 42 different nails, so you can make sure that your fit is it. They're also made from 94% post-consumer waste, and they are easy to remove without damaging your nails. Salon-looking Manny, no waiting, no leaving your house. Do it when it works for you. Easy, fast, and amazing designs. Why don't you try it for yourself? Visit oliveandjune.com slash Lawnard for 20% off your first Olive and June system. And if you're a nail polish lover, that system's included in this 20% off. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash L-A-W-N-E-R-D for 20% off your first system. And using our link supports the show. 
Now let's get back to this week's episode. If you've been following the Girardi saga for quite a while, you may know some of what we're covering today. If you are new to the Girardi saga and are watching Erica Girardi on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, you may not know the depth this iceberg has gone to, and I still don't think we're at the bottom of it. Every time something new comes out, I'm like, no way. And then I'm like, why am I still surprised? Why am I still surprised at the level that this has gotten to? But when I heard that Tom Girardi's mistress, uh, federal judge at the time, had gotten 300000 out of a client trust account. I was like, should I be surprised? He paid the $750,000 for Erica's earrings directly out of a client trust account, which, by the way, if you're like, can you do that? No, no, never, no, no, not no, no. Should have been disbarred. Should have been disbarred. I mean, ages and ages and ages ago. So I don't know why I'm still stunned. But these lawsuits that have recently been filed, one on August 30th and one on August 31st, go after the legal lenders, the financial institutions that were propping up this law firm when it looks like it's failing and the tea is scorching hot. Don't worry, we're going to get to the gossip of who got what jewelry at the end. But this is showing how this law firm stayed afloat as the creditors are starting to fight with each other. In bankruptcy, priority matters. Being a secured versus unsecured creditor, and that's kind of narrowing and simplifying a bit. I have an entire playlist of all of the content on this case over on YouTube and here on the podcast if you want kind of the deep dive. The first lawsuit that I really started looking at was from one of the legal lenders. And as I was going through it, I remember saying, why did they keep lending? Why did they keep lending? And now I see it. They were chasing bad money to try to prop this law firm up, hoping that if this law firm could just get to one more big verdict, that they would get paid. And it looks like that's why they continued to prop up Tom Girardi. Well, the Rigomez family and the bankruptcy trustee aren't having it. And that's where these two additional lawsuits come from. We're going to take a look at the Rugomez um, lawsuit first because the lawyers do an excellent job of laying out all of the different liens. These are liens that were filed against Tom Girardi's property. And when we get to the auction that's coming up at the end, we'll talk a little bit more about property. Remember, there are two bankruptcies, the Tom Girardi personal bankruptcy and the Girardi Keys law firm bankruptcy. But when you start looking at the money that was being lent and continuing to be lent, the bankruptcy trustee has a very specific viewpoint on all of this. And of course, we've already seen one of the legal, two of the legal lenders roped in to the Edelson PC allegations of racketeering. So buckle up. These lawsuits aren't going to stop. And of course, these lawsuits that I'm covering today are within the bankruptcy. So these are going to be litigated inside of that bankruptcy. Wild stuff, right? Wild stuff. Let's look at all of the liens on the same property to understand really why the fight over this property matters so much, why these um, auctions matter so much. At the end of the day, God, I, f- I always feel like I'm quoting the Titanic with this case, but at the end of the day, there are not an, there's not enough boats, right? There's not enough boats. The water is freezing. There is not enough money for all of these claims, which is why we're going to start seeing creditors fighting for priority. And when it comes to Joseph Rugomez and his family fighting for the $11 million judgment that they got 
and then their attorney stole and they are still fighting to get their money back, I have no problem with them fighting everyone else in line. The problem is the perfected creditors, the ones who are secured, are the Rigomez family through years of fighting and then the legal lenders. It seems from everything I've read that all of the other clients that did not get paid are at the back of the line behind the secured creditors because they did not know that they needed to try to get a judgment against their lawyer in court. So for the Rogomez family to get a secured creditor, and if you watch The Housewife and the Hustler, you will recognize the name and remember the story of injuries during the gas line explosion um, that actually cost Joe Rue Gomez's girlfriend, her life, and him catastrophic and life-altering injuries. They got a $12 million judgment. They got paid out some of it. And then the money stopped getting paid. They sued Tom Girardi after taking the extraordinary effort to find an attorney who would take on Tom Girardi and his larger-than-life law firm, and then found that attorney, sued Tom Girardi, won a judgment against him when the case settled and then still weren't getting paid, then had to go to court to perfect that judgment, then had to get liens on all of his personal property to try to get paid out on that judgment and are still trying to have debtor exams to figure out where the money went. That is scheduled to happen with Erica Girardi at the end of September. If it goes, I hope to be in court for it because that is going to be something. So let's take a look at this lawsuit breaking down all of these claims. Hopefully that background was helpful. Complaint for declaratory relief regarding the validity priority and extent of the proposed UCC1 and judgment liens against the property. Your Honor, who's first in line here? And this is from Joseph Rui Gomez, Kathleen Rui Gomez, and Jamie Rui Gomez versus Elisa uh, D. Miller, the trustee of the bankruptcy of the law firm, plus Gerardi Keyes, attorney lending to Stillwell Madsen, um, Viraj, Nano Bank and Class Action Services. So all of these legal lenders, they are trying to get the judge. This lawsuit is to get the judge to put these things in order, and they're challenging the order. Jurisdiction, December 18th, 2022, certain creditors caused an involuntary bankruptcy to be filed. The court's jurisdiction over this is because we're in federal bankruptcy. The parties, the Rugomeds, are debtor creditors based on an $11 million judgment against debtor, the law firm. Miller is the Chapter 7 trustee. Cal Attorney Lending or Cal Lending is a New York Corporation creditor in the bankruptcy that filed a secured claim for over $6.6 million. Stillwell Madsen. Stillwell is a creditor in the bankruptcy for over $7.4 million. These are the lenders. These are the lenders. So the Rigomez family are clients, $11 million. A lender for over $6.6 a lender for over 7.4. The Virage lender has a secured claim for over 11.3. And then Nanobank has a secured claim for over 4.2 million. KCC Class Action Services, over $7.5 million. The problem is all of those are secured by the same property. There is not enough money to go around for all of these. And that is why this plaintiff, well, creditor, plaintiff, client of Tom Girardi is trying to get the court to put them in order of priority. 
And then they go through the different ways that these were secured to get the court to give that answer. But looking at the collateral and looking at this amount, you can start to understand why there's the fight over the millions and millions that Girardi owes and start to see the pattern that landed that law firm owing over $100 million inside of this bankruptcy. What's interesting to note about this is with the Rigomez family um, and some of these legal lenders is that some of the legal lenders have already reached settlement agreements with the bankruptcy trustee. So in a statement to uh, Brandon Lowry from Law 360, the attorney for Cal Attorney Lending 2 said that the new complaint, quote unquote, smacks of bad faith. He said that his client, Cal Attorney Lending 2, has reached a court-approved settlement with the trustee for Girardi's personal estate last year and has allowed the lender to collect nearly $5 million. That is where most of the money on the personal bankruptcy is going. But the personal property is also secured by the Rigomez family. Quote, that settlement was on notice to all parties, including the prior counsel for the Rigomez claimants. There was time to air all of this. There was time to address whether the claims were properly secured. The Rigomez family's complaint argued that it was improper for the lenders to collect its share of the money directly from defendants rather than Girardi Keese's general account. So to go after the personal bankruptcy versus the bankruptcy of the law firm. The attorney for Cal Attorney Lending 2 said that this insulated Cal Lending from any scandal because the money was never handled by Girardi Keese, ensuring that it was untainted. So that is the fight that is brewing between the Rue Gomez family and some of the legal lenders, but it's not the only fight brewing with the legal lenders. It might not feel like fall where you're living just yet, but I assure you the daylight hours are going to start getting shorter. And the one thing you don't want to be doing is wasting your time wondering what's for dinner. Let Green Chef just tell you what to do. I love being told what to do. An easy to follow instruction, all the ingredients delivered to my door, and Green Chef can accommodate any dietary style. From keto and paleo to vegan and vegetarian, gluten-free and organic, Green Chef offers a wide range of meals and you can mix and match within your order if you just want to try something new. There are 24 different recipes a week to choose from. And if you ever want to skip a week, it's really easy to do, which I've done some while I'm traveling. And when I say it's easy, it actually is really easy to do or if you just don't like the menus that week, but that's never happened to us. We just had an amazing risotto dish that I loved. I've never done risotto well, but I'm still talking about it. It's like two weeks later. But because we're getting into fall, Green Chef is offering their fall's finest collection, and you can try things like beef tenderloin with pot roast style gravy, garlic mashed potatoes and green beans, pecan crusted salmon with creamy kale and roasted carrots, or a beef tenderloin with cherry balsamic sauce, maple Brussels sprouts, and brown butter potatoes. You better believe that one is on my list. So if you want a organic meal kit that comes to you right to the door, easy to make, check out our sponsor, Green Chef. Go to greenchef.com slash emilybaker135 and use code emilybaker135 to get $135 off across five boxes and your first box ships free. That's greenchef.com slash emilybaker135. 
code EMILYBAKER135, and your first box ships free. Find out for yourself why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. This next lawsuit comes from the bankruptcy trustee, Elisa Miller, against Council Financial Services, California Attorney Lending 2, and Joseph D. DiNardo. So those are some names you might recognize from the racketeering case. This is scathing. We're going to look at the article first from Law 360. The headline says, litigation funders help Girardi loot client funds from the trustee. And then we're going to go through some of the more scathing allegations in this new complaint. Remember, these are allegations being made by the bankruptcy trustee. These will be litigated in court. New York litigation lenders owned by a convicted felon drove thousands of cases to Tom Girardi and helped him, quote unquote, loot more than $23 million from his clients' trust accounts for years before his firm, Girardi Keese, fell into insolvency, according to an explosive new advisory complaint filed in the Los Angeles Bankruptcy Court. In the filing late Wednesday, attorneys for Girardi Keese bankruptcy trustee detail more than 15 years of unethical business dealings between Girardi and New York attorney Joseph DiNardo, who has been convicted of filing a false tax return two decades ago. Girardi and DiNardo illegally split fees without clients' knowledge, they allege, as DiNardo's companies kept pumping millions of dollars into the cash-strapped law firm. The trustee seeks to block DiNardo and his company from recovering $6.7 million that they had loaned to Girardi Keese before the bankruptcy. The trustee claimed that one of the companies must also give back $1.7 million that it wrongfully took from a settlement that Girardi Keese had negotiated for the widows and orphans of the plane crash victims. That's, of course, in reference to the Lion Air case because money went, instead of into the Girardi Case law firm, it's alleged that money went directly to the lender out of that settlement. There are some outrageous claims here, but I also want to give a voice and opportunity to the statements given by those being sued, and that is provided to Law 360. On Thursday, one of the lenders, California Attorney Lending 2, Inc., denied wrongdoing, saying the trustee has inaccurately described the company's relationship with Girardi Keys. Quote, this massive leap from lender to alleged co-conspirator is false, outrageous, and inherently incredible, the company said in a written statement provided to Law 360 by its attorney. Not only is Cal Attorney Lending 2 in the lawsuit with regard to the Rui Gomez family, they are now being sued by the trustee in the bankruptcy with the law firm. They've also been named as defendants in the lawsuit by Edelson PC. That's the racketeering lawsuit. I know I need a I need a graph. I'm going to make one too. I'm going to make a a grid of these lawsuits and who's being sued for what. It's going to look like some kind of weird genealogy chart. <laughs> So let's pull up this lawsuit and take a crack. There, this We are not doing a deep dive into all of it. It would be ours. But we are going to look at some of the large allegations that are here from the trustee. And if you want more information on this particular suit, let me know in the comments. Leave it in a review on iTunes. And we will do a line-by-line -line deep dive into this litigation or we will do it when we get the answers from these companies. So this is the trustee of the Girardi Keese company bankruptcy against the uh, previously named parties, Council Financial, Cal Attorney Lending 2, and Joseph DiNardo. This is a complaint for 12 causes of action. 
declaratory relief. That's asking the judge to decide something. Your Honor, I do declare. Asking the judge to declare a fact or a circumstance or something as the thing. A disallowance of proof of claim, equitable subordination. So, hey, they don't get to claim more money in this bankruptcy. Surcharging defendants, declaratory relief, fee-sharing agreements, constructive trust, breach of fiduciary duty, aiding and abetting breach of fiduciary duty, avoidance of fraudulent conveyance, recovery of avoided transfer, recovery of avoidance of fraudulent transfer, preservation of avoided transfer, conversion, and money had and received. And some of you are going, Emily, that's a lot. Yeah, we're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Introduction. On December 14th, 2019, the Honorable Thomas M. Durkin, the judge who's like, fuck around and find out in Illinois, caused a docket entry to be made in the case entitled Welly and Chandra uh, versus Boeing International Sales. That is the Lion Air flight. It's referred to as the Enri Lion Air flight. The Lion Air crash was brought against or the lie, sorry, the Lion Air case was brought against Boeing by family members whose loved ones had perished when Lion Air Boeing 737 MAX crashed into the Indonesian Sea off the coast of the island of Java. Girardi Keese and its general partner, Tom Girardi, represented 22 of the families in the Lion Air case. The docket entry was made after Judge Durkin held a hearing regarding a motion to show cause. Durkin's docket entry, the contempt judgment, stated as follows, y'all, I have not seen this before written this way. I, I'm sure the lawyers involved in this case have. But y'all, this is what the judge had to say. We knew the way that this was going back in 2019. We knew what was coming at the beginning of 2020, because this is when these rumblings were just starting. This is right after Erica filed for divorce at the beginning of November. It's right when the shit was hitting the fan and you were like, we're at the tip of the icebergs. We're at the tip of the icebergs. Stated as follows. A civil contempt against the law from Girardi Keese and against Tom Girardi individually for the re reasons stated on the record. So this is when the judge found Girardi and Girardi Keese in contempt for not paying out $2 million to the clients. Judgment is entered in the amount of $2 million plus interest as to Girardi Keese and Tom Girardi for the reasons also stated on the record. The contempt judgment was entered after it was discovered that Girardi Keese and or Thomas Girardi had stolen $2 million from the settlement money Boeing had paid to resolve the claims filed by the families in the Lion Air case and that Girardi Keese did not have the money to pay the clients their share of the settlement. In addition, Girardi Keese allegedly failed to pay its co-counsel at Olson PC $2.5 million, representing its percentage share of the contingency fee. Four days later, on December 18th, Thomas's former partner, Robert Keese, and others filed the involuntary bankruptcy. On January 5th, the court entered its order granting motion of petitioning creditors for appointment of an interim trustee. And then we get into this bankruptcy. The court orders the bankruptcy. The trustees are appointed. The disclosure of Tom Girardi's theft and Judge Durkin's ruling sent shockwaves across the legal community, it goes on to say. Girardi was long considered one of the premier trial attorneys in the country, and Girardi Keese was often appointed as a lead or co-counsel in many of the most significant, quote-unquote, mass tort cases filed over the last 40 years. Lawyers and judges alike gave deference to Girardi's positions in organizing lead counsel or committee roles for those cases where the firm had representation. Durkin did not see it that way. This is why having the case in Illinois was so powerful. It was a judge that did not give a fuck about who Tom Girardi was. 
And I think that's what it took was someone not giving deference. Judge Durkin said this, quote, these poor folks in Indonesia expect integrity. It's an embarrassment to the whole legal community that people in Indonesia are being ripped off by someone who is acting like a two-bit crook. And that's how they're acting. That's how Mr. Girardi acted. I'm not going to restrain myself on this. That's exactly how he acted. This is an embarrassment. So for whatever anyone wants to say on The Real Housewives or otherwise, back on December 9th, 2021, during the hearing, I believe this is the hearing where assets were frozen and it was disclosed that there wasn't any money. Um, Girardi is called a two-bit crook by a federal judge. So, you know, that's where we were at the beginning of 2021. The trustee goes on to say, Girardi is not a two-bit crook. He's so much worse. The $2 million Girardi stole from Lion Air, the Lion Air case plaintiffs, while shocking and unconscionable, is only the tip of the iceberg. I've been saying that since 2021. 2020. The trustees' investigation of the firm's financial records revealed that over the last 10 years, Girardi and his cohort stole at least $14 million in settlement funds that should have gone to the firm's clients. Girardi also used the firm's IOLTA account, which is the sacred client trust account. Do not fuck with the money in the client trust account. As his personal piggy bank, depositing over $41 million into the account to cover checks that he had issued from that account to support his lavish lifestyle. Yes, it says $41 million. I am dyslexic, but that said stolen fourteen, and this said deposited into that account over $41 million. $41 million. Which is why the ladies on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills were like, $2 million. What is this over $2 million? Why can't you just cover $2 million? It'd be like somebody coming to me and being like, can you just cover 20 bucks? Why, why can't you cover 20 bucks? It would be shocking. I'm an adult. I should be able to cover 20 bucks. Given, given my life, I should be able to cover 20 bucks. That's kind of how I think they all saw Tom Girardi. It's 2 million bucks. It's like 20. Why can't you cover it? And that's part of why this sent such ripples. And the allegation that, you know, client money was stolen. Oh, and Edelson PC writing a scathing complaint alleging that Erica's company got like 20 million in loans from the law firm. But we'll get there. The deposits were insufficient to cover his use of the funds. Oh, the 41 million. The 41 million was insufficient to cover Girardi's spending. As of the filing of this complaint, and this complaint was just filed on August 31st, 2022. As of the filing of this complaint, there have been over 682 claims against the estate, totaling to date $495,912,891.41. Let me say that again. Four hundred and ninety five million dollars in previous filings we were at a hundred million we are now over four hundred and ninety five million dollars yeah almost a half a billion dollars seriously how did this go on so long this case pisses me off more, more than just about anything else that we've covered because people trusted their attorney and they should be able to. Of this amount, $91 million 
is on behalf of alleged secured claims with 79 million being filed on on behalf of priority claims. $79 million of what's owed is priority claims. What that means is that most of the Girardi clients are not going to see a dime. That's what that sentence of this complaint means. So for the trustee to come in here and try to fight some of these claims from legal lenders will hopefully kick some money down the line to creditors who do not have secured claims or priority claims. And most of the people who don't have secured and priority claims are the clients. I know it feels fucking awful. That is how bankruptcy works. It is the people who don't know that get screwed at the end. Not the legal lenders who knew that this was all going sideways. And this complaint is going to tell you how it was going sideways. Am I going to sigh a lot during this? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm going to, there's going to be a lot of take a deep breath, girl. Nature of the action. This complaint addresses the secured claim filed by certain litigation funding lenders, notably Cal 2, which is California Attorney Lending 2, which filed a claim in the amount of $6,668,484.21. Council Financial Services, which filed a claim in the amount of $8,698,610, also named defendant is one of the CFS owners, Joseph DiNardo. So that's what? Six plus eight? That's at least, I mean, it's not nearly enough. But if the trustee can fight these two claims, that is millions that's not going, what, 14 plus million, 15 plus million dollars that's that can go to other creditors. And that is why these fights matter. Based on the trustee's investigation, the trustee is informed and believes and based thereon alleges that the CFS defendants, um, Weitz and Luxembourg, Girardi Keyes and Thomas Girardi have been doing t- business together dating back to 2005, if not before, when Girardi Keyes and Weitz and Luxembourg were appointed as co-lead counsels in the national mass tort case styled in Re Bextra and Celebrex, so the Celebrex case. And then it goes into the history of that. There is a footnote that I missed in my ranting, footnote three, that says, quote, generally litigation funders provide loans to plaintiff lawyers to cover the costs and expenses incurred in complex contingency fee cases. The industry is essentially unregulated. The financing is expensive with large fees and annual interest rates typically starting at 18%. Default interest rates can range between 24 and 30% and more. What this means really is that when Girardi Keys is taking on these cases. They are not, they're taking them on contingency. So taking them on contingency means if they don't win or settle, they don't get paid. But these cases can take millions of dollars to put together and get ready for trial. So the litigation funders come in and kind of cover the gap, and then they get paid back when the attorneys get paid at the end of the case. But That wasn't happening because these lenders kept stacking money and not getting paid. So this kept rolling. But instead of calling the loans, they kept lending, which is why earlier I said they were chasing the money. They were chasing bad money. In 2011, Cal2 provided $5 million financing line of credit to Girardi Keys to cover the costs and expenses of various cases. 
The financing was put in place shortly after DiNardo had arranged a deal whereby Girardi Keys took over representation of thousands of cases from the bankrupt law firm Masri and uh, Vito, Vidito. I don't know who Ed Masri's partner is. Ed Masri was the attorney from the Aaron Brockovich case who had passed, and then the firm went into bankruptcy. This is much like the other attorneys that have swooped in with this firm and taken on clients. So Girardi Keese was arranged to take over the Masri firm cases, thousands of cases. Mind you, that says thousands of cases. Thousands of cases. The largest secured creditor of the Masri firm was Cal 2. Weird. I wonder why they wanted those cases to go forward with a law firm they trusted. Maybe to ensure they'd get paid? Is that me being cynical? In exchange, the CFS defendants were to get referral fees. Hmm. In fact, the Cal 2 financing was never paid off or paid down, was twice increased to a total of $8 million, notwithstanding that the terms of the loan were never adhered to. Participating payments were not made. Interest payments were missed. Girardi Keys often failed to make a loan pay down based upon a 50-50 fee split agreement. You can't do that, by the way. In a September 2019 email regarding the accounting fees, that's where we get all of these uh, facts from. Cal2 was not Girardi Keys' only litigation funder. In fact, Girardi Keys borrowed funds from four litigation lenders. And after Girardi Keese's other quote-unquote funders threatened to and then did in fact commence litigation efforts on $28 million in loans that were in default in the years 2018 and 2019, DiNardo insisted Girardi Keese retain Robert Cohen of Simba Capital as its chief restructuring officer. If this case was less serious, yes, I would sing Lion King, but I can't. I'm too mad. In September 2019, DiNardo personally stepped in and took control of the negotiations regarding the other litigation lenders. The individual who was running the company that stood to lose millions to Girardi Keys stepped into Girardi Keys and started negotiating with the other lenders that were owed like $20 million. Oh, okay, that's what's being alleged here. In the case, one of the other three lenders, Law Finance Group, LFG, which extended a $15 million loan to Gerardi Keys, DiNardo arranged a full payoff instead of protecting Cal2, which held first priority ahead of LFG. Remarkably, Cal2 provided Gerardi Keys an additional $2 million. So Cal2 is not getting paid back over $8 million. LFG gets paid $15 million, probably because they were on the verge of suing and blowing this shit up. And then Cal2 went ahead and lended an additional $2 million. So rewind back to early 2020 when I'm sitting there going, why are they still lending? Why are they still lending? Why are they still lending? This law firm was in trouble in 2018. I thought early on that the pandemic was kind of the toppling point. This toppling point was coming in 2018 and propped up by these lenders. And what we're going to get into as we go down, down this litigation, is that this bankruptcy trustee is saying this firm was not insolvent in 2020. This firm was insolvent in 2018. And to try to unwind payments made, priority payments made, when this firm was already insolvent, 
and try to undo some of the people that got paid between 2018, early 2019, and 2020. So is this a big move by the, uh, by the bankruptcy trustee? Fuck yeah, it is. The foregoing is just a summary of certain of the financing transactions involving Girardi Keese and CFS. Based upon the foregoing and the detailed facts set herein, among other claims alleged in this complaint, the trustee is alleging a claim for declaratory relief to determine the true nature of the relationship between Girardi Keese and CFS. The trustee is informed and believed and alleges that CFS defendants are implied, in fact, partners of Girardi Keese. Alternatively, that the CFS defendants are insiders of Girardi Keese and claims should be recharacterized as equity. So they're not entitled to their claims as creditors. Assuming arguendo, the CFS defendant's claim is not recharacterized as equity, the trustee asserts the claims should be equitably subordinated to the claims of Girardi Keese's general unsecured creditors, including the former clients. Put them at the back of the line. Put them all the way at the back. You go to the back of the line. The trustee is also alleging claims against the CFS defendants for conversion in failing and refusing to return to the trustee $1.7 million they obtained directly from Boeing. Listen to this shit. Based upon the fee-sharing agreement with Girardi Keys, notwithstanding that at the time of payment, Girardi Keys had improperly paid itself in full, thus the payment should not have been made. Here's what that means. Here's what's alleged, I should say. The trustee is alleging that Girardi Keys paid itself in full for working the Lion Air cases. Girardi Keese is supposed to take out of what they get paid in full and pay their lenders back. It doesn't go on top of what they're getting paid. But that's exactly what they did here. Well, that's exactly what's alleged that they did here. It's alleged that Girardi Keese got paid in full and then had Boeing pay the lender directly $1.7 million plus. The trustee has tried to get that claw back that $1.7 million into the firm. Why? So it can get distributed to other creditors. And CFS has refused. So look, I know everybody wants to be mad at Erica over the earrings and mad about the earrings and all of it. But this shit, this money went directly from Boeing. The clients are owed $2 million from Boeing. This is $1.7 million that improperly went directly to a lender and they're refusing to give it back. <sighs> Notwithstanding the defendant's knowledge that they are not entitled to keep the money and that keeping the money constitutes a crime under California law, including but not limited to California Penal Code 496, they are still keeping the money. The trustee also presents additional claims against the CFS defendants for aiding and abetting Girardi for looting Girardi Keese's IOLTA account for seven years prior to the bankruptcy. Seven years prior to the bankruptcy in the amount excess of $23 million. The trustee is informed and believes and alleges for years the CFS defendants had actual knowledge of. Remember actual knowledge? We're going to get back to actual knowledge in the other lawsuit that we're going to talk about, the, the one with Erica. Actual knowledge. They're alleging that this lender had actual knowledge of Girardi Keese and Thomas's failure to pay Girardi Keese's clients the settlement proceeds they were entitled to receive, and two, Girardi Keese and Tom Girardi's failure to pay co-counsel and referral fees, notwithstanding that Girardi had received the contingency fee 
It says, yet despite this actual knowledge, CFS continued to support Girardi Keyes' business operations, knowing that they were doing business with a firm and an individual who was not to be trusted and who regularly failed to pay Girardi Keyes' obligations to its clients in breach of Girardi's fiduciary obligation to do so. As we continue, this gets into an additional statement of facts as it goes to the other defendants. So we are moving on from Cal Lending and we are moving on to talking a little bit more about DiNardo and others. So as we get into the statement of facts in this complaint, it says that Dorothy Keese was a law partnership founded and managed by legendary plaintiff's trial attorney Thomas V. Dorothy. Thomas graduated from Loyola Law School in 1964, received his LLM from NYU in 1965. Four years later, he had obtained the highest medical malpractice judgment in California history. He instantly became the rock star of the plaintiff's bar. Over the next 50 years, Tom uh, proved himself to be deserving of his initial fame, becoming one of the most successful plaintiff's mass tort trial attorneys in the country. He was often appointed leader co-counsel in many of the nation's most significant multi-district litigation cases, a role coveted by those engaged in the area as the lead counsel is put in control of the litigation, doles out assignment, provides the opportunity to forge alliances, and basically ensures significant positions in MDL actions for years to come. The position also means significant legal fees for the firm, typically in multiples of what other firms participating in the litigation receive as quote-unquote leadership attorneys are compensated for their efforts on top of settlements or judgments and separate and apart from any fee arrangements the attorney have with the individual clients or claimants. They are paid on top of that as well. A listing of some of the Girardi case and, and Tom Girardi's more significant cases is set forth at Exhibit 4. I feel like we should just go there now. So as we have now zoom zoomed to Exhibit 4, here is the significant mass tort cases, just a sample. In re-motor fuel temperature sales practices litigation, um, the Resulin litigation, the Volkswagen litigation, the Coagna or Conagra food litigation, the uh, Morena IUD litigation, a large Lockheed Martin litigation, the air crash disaster near Plam, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, Plambang, uh, Indio, the Continental Forge SoCal Gas, Warner Lambert Co., um, Equifax, the Equifax litigation, the Johnson & Johnson talcum powder litigation. Those are just a handful. And those are multi, multi-million dollar litigations. It goes on to allege that Girardi capitalized on the opportunities presented in many cases, achieving remarkable results, recovering hundreds of millions of dollars, either by way of settlement or trial. His success brought more public recognition. He became a power broker in Los Angeles and the state of California, becoming the first trial lawyer to serve on the California Judicial Council, the policymaking body of the California courts. So when people are like, how did this never come to a head? Politics is part of it. I think. He was also a member of the Consumer Attorneys of California, the Inner Circle of Advocates, uh, the American Trial Lawyers Association, the American Board of Professional Liability Lawyers, the International Society of Barristers. He served as the national president of the American Board of Trial Advocates, BOTA, and was elected to later become the president of the International Academy of Trial Lawyers. His marriage to reality television star Erica Jane Girardi 
put his professional persona in the public limelight. Despite the apparent success, gravitas, money, fame, his reputation for his prowess in the courtroom, over the years, he frequently found himself a defendant in suits by former clients alleging they were defrauded by him and Girardi Keys because they failed to receive the proper amount of money from the resolution of their cases. An example listing of those cases is attached as Exhibit 5. Guess what we're doing next? We're not waiting till the end. We're going to take a look at those now. This is an example of the times he's been sued by former clients. The first one listed is 1990. Uh, Jude V. Rotono-Rotono. Jude is referred to Girardi regarding a wrongful death action among Stouffer's Inc. The husband was killed in a fire at a hotel while away on business. Case settled for $3.5 million. No written contingency fee agreement. Plaintiff contends Girardi represented he would charge a contingency fee of 20%. Girardi took 40%. Client filed a lawsuit against the lawyer that referred her client to Girardi. 2006, Cavalier versus Lira. Lira made unauthorized settlement proposal. Client refused. Lira forced clients into mediation. Franco versus Dow Chem. Girardi and co-counsel Walter Lack attempted to register unforceable $400 million foreign judgment in California against the wrong corporate entity. This is via 2010, or this is circa 2010. The Ninth Circuit found that Girardi and Lack's content contemptible and imposed sanctions, including for failing to verify the truth of the statement's main declarations they submitted to the district court in support of the fraudulent motion. Girardi was sanctioned a hundred and $50,000 and received a public reprimand. It wasn't on his bar record, though. Lack was sanctioned $250,000 and suspended from practice before the Ninth Circuit for six months. Both were referred to the California State Bar. There was never an action against his license. Nothing. He was sanctioned $150,000 by the court. And it didn't show up. There is a list of Gutierrez v. Girardi cases from 2011 through 2015, which is a class action case regarding the Lockheed employees. Part of the problem with the Lockheed case is that um, there were issues with the statute of limitations. They said that Girardi represented the former employees of Lockheed Corporation, alleged that the plaintiffs sustained personal injuries from their exposure to toxic chemicals while working at the facilities. It further alleged that the defendants manufactured, formulated, supplied, distributed, and sold toxic chemicals that caused plaintiffs' injuries. The complaint set forth fraudulent concealment, strict liability, and negligence causes of actions. Between approximately 1991 and 2001, the plaintiffs reached general settlements with various defendants. The settlements totaled approximately $131 million. Girardi Keys received the settlement funds and controlled all disbursements. From 1991 through February 2001, Gutierrez received 13 settlement checks from Girardi and Keys, totaling $81,000. A $131 million settlement. And from October 1991 to February 2001, the client received 13 checks totaling $81,000. Gutierrez sued years later in 2008, representing the former clients against the firm in the class action. And it goes on and on and on with these cases for pages. The last one is the Rigomez case, stealing over $10 million from clients regarding the San Bruno PG&E gas explosion. Pages of cases. 
The complaint goes on to say that Girardi Keese and Tom Girardi's treatment of Girardi Keese co-counsel or referring attorneys who were to share in the fees earned was no better, as evidenced by some of the lawsuits brought by those attorneys. Footnote eight, trustee is informed and believes and thereon alleges that the case presented may not be all the case files against Girardi Keese and Tom Girardi, and the trustee's investigation is ongoing. The trustee believes there might be more co-counsels. The trustee is informed and believes and based thereon alleges that at the same time the client's co-counsel and legitimate referral sources were not being paid, Thomas was living a lavish lifestyle, spending millions of dollars on cars, furs, clothes, trips, jewelry, and other items for himself, his celebrity, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills wife, Erica, and other friends. I'm putting that in quotes because now we know. Friends and Girardi Keys employees and partners. His indulgences included five country club golf memberships, five Memberships in city clubs, automobiles, Ferrari and Lamborghini sports cars, boats, two planes, houses in Malibu and in Palm Springs, luxury yachting trips in the Mediterranean, and a penchant for giving expensive gifts of jewelry and the like. Speaking of living that best money life, though, we have to take a quick break for our sponsor. Just because the weather's getting cooler doesn't mean you need to grow out your own fur coat down there. Look you want to keep your bedroom as spicy as pumpkin spice. And some below-the-belt grooming might help you do that. And, of course, we have back our sponsor for all of your hair down there needs, Manscaped. Personally, I like to believe that I might just hop on a plane somewhere tropical at the drop of a hat. It's never going to happen. But I want to be prepared because choose adventure. The adventure you might want to choose is being bare down there. Hey. Don't knock until you've tried it. I love Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 because not only does it come with the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for all the hair down there, but you also get the weed whacker for the nose hair up there. Yeah, it is literally the greatest thing ever, and I love it so much. Nose hairs are so annoying, and as you get older, you can't always see them in the mirror. Oh my God, it's so embarrassing. So make sure that all the hair is wrangled. But the package also includes the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, and the Performer Boxer Briefs that Dr. B loves, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. You know, the way the Boxer Briefs hold his goodies. But of course, if that package isn't for your package, you can buy everything separately. Just head over to manscaped.com and use code LAWNERD for 20% off your order and free shipping. That's right, manscaped.com code LAWNERD for 20% off plus free shipping. Just because the summer's over doesn't mean it's time to let the winter coat grow in. And I'm telling you what, the Weed Whacker is the best. I highly, highly recommend 1010. All right, we should get back to today's episode. It's enough being cheeky. Look, I'm not getting this bag for sure. So... I appreciate our sponsors for supporting the podcast while we talk about this level of nonsense. Just wait, it gets worth. Buckle up. Buckle up. For those of you watching on YouTube, you will already see my notes. For those of you listening, uh, the, the hot pink ink has come out on this page. The trustee alleges that notwithstanding the millions of dollars in attorney's fees Girardi Case recovered over the years, Girardi Case's income was not sufficient to support its business operation, fund the cost of prosecuting ongoing mass torts, and support the extravagant and opulent lifestyle Tom and Erica so publicly enjoyed. Oh yeah, this last week's episode of Real Housewife, 
she was on the private jet heading to, Asp heading to Aspen. She's like, I loved going to Aspen. I used to fly on my jet. Yeah, you used to have two jets and now we know where they came from. It goes on where the trustee is informed and believed and based there on alleges that just over the last seven years, more than $500 million flowed through the Girardi Keys Iota trust account. Over half a billion dollars. Over half a billion dollars moved through this law firm and it couldn't keep itself afloat. How the fuck is that possible? Half a billion dollars over seven years and this law firm was insolvent. What is happening in this case? The trustee goes on to say that Girardi often used funds in the IOLTA account to pay his lifestyle expenses. You can't fucking do that. Indeed, during the last seven years, in excess of $41 million from the IOLTA account were used to support Girardi's lifestyle. The vast majority of which were settlement funds that should have been paid to clients. The trustee further alleges that Girardi deposited $41 million into the Girardi Keese IOLTA account. However, as of the filing of this complaint, Girardi Keese has remained out of trust in the tens of millions of dollars. The account is overdrawn. It should never be overdrawn. Money comes into the client trust account. The attorney takes their attorney's fees and costs, and then they pay the client, and then it's done. It's not a fucking shell game inside of that account where you're mixing all the money together and writing checks for $750,000 for earrings and then, you know, sending off money for $300,000 for your mistress federal judge's beachfront condo in Santa Monica. It's so outrageous. But we're getting there. Girardi's theft of millions of dollars from the Girardi Keys client trust accounts was not of grand design. In furtherance of the fraudulent scheme, Girardi would have had a check issued, record the payee in an incompetent manner, and des uh, designated the reason for the check as being costs or co-counsel fees. That was it. He simply took the money. He took simply took the money and designated it as costs or fees. And even if the clients didn't realize they hadn't been paid, they might have thought, they might have thought that those were legitimate costs. Because remember what we've talked about before, and I will just say it again. When the money comes in, a million, a hundred million, whatever it is, the attorney will take their fees first, 20%, 30%, sometimes 40%. Fees first. Then they will take their costs. And costs are meant to go for like accident reconstruction and payroll and the things to get the case ready. So attorney's fees, then costs, then the clients get paid their settlement. So if he's writing things off as costs, a, a clients that were not stolen from in the fact that they didn't get their whole settlement might have had things aligned or, or designated as cost to their case that they don't even realize weren't proper costs because he was just writing shit out of the client trust account. So those costs might be there and they might never have known. So this could be worse than it is, which is hard to conceive of. It's actually inconceivable. The diamond earrings. In 2007, Girardi purchased a pair of diamond earrings for Erica for $750,000. The check was drawn on the Resulin Mass Tort Client Trust Account. The entry on the ledger shows the check was paid to M&M in the amount of $750,000. The description of the payment is costs. 
Eminem, it turns out, is Eminem Jewelers located in downtown Los Angeles, footnote nine. Upon discovery of this transaction, the trustee attempted to negotiate with Erica's lawyer an agreement to turn over the diamond earrings. Ultimately, Erica declined. Mm, she was disinclined to acquiesce to that request. Erica declined the trustee's proposal and the trustee was compelled to file a turnover motion. See docket number 28. The turnover motion was approved. See docket 58. Ever undaunted, and despite the bankruptcy court finding that the money used to purchase the earrings was stolen from the Girardi Keys trust account, Erica has filed an appeal of the court's order, but did not seek a stay pending appeal. Yep. As a result, the trustee has filed a motion to retain an auctioneer and sell the earrings, among other personal property. If a stay gets filed after recording this, I'll let you know. But so far, I haven't seen one. Those earrings are going to get sold off. Oh, we're going to talk about the earrings later. Don't worry. In the motion, there's photos of the earrings and we learn how many carats they are a piece. Don't worry, there's more. GNL Aviation. Footnote, footnote 10. How's there already a footnote? GNL Aviation was a general partnership owned 50-50 by Girardi and Walter Lack. GNL held titles to cars, boats, airplanes, and 75% of an office building at 1122 Wilshire Boulevard. Girardi Keese's office was in the building. I bet you Girardi Keese, the firm, was paying rent to GNL Aviation. I bet they were. I bet they were. In 2001, Thomas settled an investment fee case against Bank of America for $5.7 million. Not only did Thomas attempt to deprive his co-counsel of their share of the contingency fees, but Girardi Keese's ledger for the case shows a payment made to GNL Aviation on November 2nd, 2001 for $150,000 for associate counsel fees. And another payment on December 4th, 2001 for $50,000 with a description of co-counsel fees. Hmm. Hmm. $300,000 wire payment. On June 3rd, 2015, a wire transfer was issued against a Girardi Keys client trust account for the sum of $300,000. The ledger description was, quote unquote, costs. The wire amount was credited to a friend's personal account. While I appreciate the discretion of the trustee, the friend, the friend we are going to talk about later, because uh, let's just look at this headline real quick from the LA Times. A judge's affair with Tom Girardi, a beachfront condo, and a $300,000 wire from his firm. Guess what wire payment we're talking about? Guess when that wire payment hit this judge's account? Yet, your honor, you received that the day you closed on your condo. So weird, Judge Bigelow. So weird. Let's get back. Let's get back to the fuckery at hand. Item number four. $2.5 million in cash withdrawals from the Lockheed Toxic Waste Litigation Trust. Girardi Keese's ledger for this case includes five checks made payable to Tom Girardi, totaling $2.5 million. Two checks for a million each. You can write a check for a million dollars. Did you know that? I didn't know that. You can just like write a, you can just write a check. Who knew? Do you need a special account? Do you have to call for permission? Like, d d damn it. You just write a check for a million dollars. That just works. Two checks for a million dollars each, a check for $200,000, a check for $250,000, a check for $50,000. The negotiation on the ledger for each check indicates no description on check. Thus, the total dollar amount being paid to Tom Girardi is $2.5 million, footnote 11. This discovery substantiates the claim of the Lockheed clients who for years attempted to present this issue at trial. Unfortunately, their efforts were thwarted by a series of decisions based upon the statute of limitations and other procedural barriers. They got blocked over and over again by the court and never got their money. 
Just for a note about the Lockheed clients, this payment, these payments, the trustee is alleging, are separate and apart from the millions of dollars in checks issued to Girardi Keys from the same trust account with the description fees. They they got their fees. Girardi Keys got their fees. Tom Girardi got an additional $2.5 million is what they're alleging. And the clients got $86,000 total. That was a multiple hundreds of million dollar settlement. And the client walked away with $80,000. No. No. This is why, for people who don't know why the public is outraged at Erica Girardi, when she's on the show and she's like, I don't know if some of these people are just saying they didn't get paid, this is where the rage comes in. It's these kind of facts over and over and over that outrage people. When she says stuff like, well, some of these people essentially might just be piling on. Jamie Rue Gomez. Mr. Rue Gomez suffered catastrophic personal injuries from the PG&E San Bruno natural gas explosion, was represented by Gerardi Keese in his action against PG&E. The trustee is informed and believes and alleges that the case settled for $50 million. $50 million. $25 million of the proceeds was used to purchase an annuity for Mr. Rue Gomez, and the balance was delivered to Girardi Keys. Girardi Keys deducted and paid itself $12.6 million in fees and costs. Girardi Keys, however, did not turn over the balance to Mr. Rue Gomez. Save and accept for a few payments made after Mr. Rue Gomez started complaining about not receiving the balance of the money. Right. The amount not paid to Mr. Rue Gomez totaled $10.5 million. Eventually, they filed suit against Girardi Keys and Tom Girardi. The lawsuit was resolved by a stipulated judgment and secured by service of a notice of judgment debtor exam. Uh, Erica is going to be sitting for that debtor exam shortly. And now interest is attached on all of this. Judy Selberg, a former employee of Girardi Keys, Ms. Selberg's husband was killed in a boating accident. The case settled for $500,000 and Ms. Selberg was never paid. She was an employee and was never paid. Erica Girardi's use of Girardi Keys' American Express account. Erica was given free use of the Girardi Keys American Express charge account. Over the years, Erica charged over $12 million on the firm's account, all of which was paid by Girardi Keys. While appalling, I still don't know if she knew it was a firm card. I don't know if it even said Girardi Keys on it with the way they're running this business. I mean, my business cards say my business name on them. Like, it's very clear which business cards are business cards and which aren't. This goes on to talk about the Girardi-Donardo fee-sharing relationship. And they were splitting fees, which is illegal. Girardi Keys becomes the liquidating agent for the CFS defendants to assist them recouping their $25 million plus funding loans made to Masri. So then he comes in to take over all the Masri cases. Donardo then arranged for a transfer of the vast majority of the Masri firm's cases to Girardi Keys for Girardi Keys to handle. This says elsewhere in this complaint that it was over 8,000 cases handed off. Footnote 13 says, when the cases were getting ready to go to trial, Masri brought in Girardi Keys as co-counsel. Girardi Keys in turn brought in another famed plaintiff's trial attorney, Walter Lack. The cases settled in 1996 for $333 million. That was the Aaron Brockovich case. The largest settlement ever paid in a direct action lawsuit in United States history to date in 1996. The case was made even more famous by the movie Aaron Brockovich. So it lays the groundwork for how they all started working together. It goes through the fee-sharing agreement. It goes through the loans that were made. 
and then gets into the loans from Cal 2, the fact that Girardi is not paying the loans and they don't care. They just let it go and keep going. The Stillwell Madsen funding, the Law Financing Group funding, and these are all the loans that we just talked about in the lawsuit with regard to the Rigomez family. It says in paragraph 49, the trustee alleges that in or around July 1st, 2017, Cal2 renewed and increased its capital position in Girardi Keys to $6 million pursuant to a third amended and restated uh, revolving promissory note. The third amended and restated security agreement. The security agreement purportedly continued unlimited blanket security interest in all of the same assets, which secured a 2013 loan. At this time, Cal2's loan Girardi Keys had been outstanding since 2011 and had not been repaid in part or in full. Footnote 15. The trustee also notes that California has a five-year statute of limitations to bring a case to trial. Not one of the 8,000 Masri cases should have been viable at this time. So they are using things to secure these loans that can't be used to secure the loans, and they just keep extending it, and he keeps not paying, and they keep extending them. The trustee alleges that one month later, in August 2017, Girardi Key secured a fourth litigation loan for $9 million from lender Virage SPV. And these are all, again, secured by the same property. They go on to allege that Girardi Keys is starting to default and not pay its obligations in 2018 and goes on to lay the groundwork for saying in 2018, all of these payments should have started coming due. So laying the groundwork to say in 2018, this law firm was insolvent and these lenders kept pumping more money into Girardi Keys, but then the payments being made out could be improper payments in the bankruptcy. They then get into the Lion Air case and how Girardi Keys secured the Lion Air case. The trustee then alleges that in February 2019, Donardo brings in Cohen to begin working with Girardi Keys to address the financial conditions. So they are now actively engaged in trying to prop this firm up. The trustee continues to allege that notwithstanding that Stillwell and LFG had declared their loans in default and started enforcement proceedings, Cal2 and DiNardo did not institute actions to protect Cal2's interest. Rather, in or around September 19th or September 2019, DiNardo, on behalf of Girardi Keys, began negotiating with Girardi Keys' other lenders in an effort to settle the litigation and work out terms and conditions of repayment. The trustee alleges that DiNardo's goal was to keep Girardi operating to protect Cal2's interest in the collateral. This is what's alleged in the racketeering, that they are propping up this organization to keep it operating, to keep bringing in clients, to keep bringing in cases. The trustee alleges that between October and November 2019, Donardo and Cal2 offered to provide Girardi Keys another $1.5 million in funding subject to certain conditions, one of which was an agreement that Boeing would send the money that represented the Girardi Keys fee from certain of the Lion Air case settlement directly to Cal 2, rather than the fees going to Girardi Keys. And we've already talked about that $1.7 plus million. The trustee then alleges that DiNardo and Cal 2 knew or suspected that if the fees were first paid to Girardi Keys, that Girardi Keys would not pay Cal 2 as required. That's in 2019. November 8, 2019, Cal2 and Girardi Keys enter into an agreement that extended and increased the line of credit from $6.5 million to $8 million, and they still gave him more money to prop this up. 
This is all going to play in to the racketeering case as well. As of 2019, this alleges the Cal 2 loan had been outstanding since 2011, over seven years with no formal action taken by Cal 2. As of November 9th, 2019, the total principal amount of fundings owed by Girardi Keys to Cal 2, Stillwell, and Virage was $27.7 million. The trustee alleges on January 24th, 2020, Cal 2 and Girardi sent a letter to the attorney from Boeing advising Boeing of the Cal 2 lien against fees Girardi Keys was to receive from the funding of the settlements, requesting that the entity or requesting that the entirety of the Girardi Keys fee in the amount of $3.5 million be paid directly to Cal 2. This agreement and direction to Boeing that the fee and cost portion of the settlement was to be paid to Cal 2 altered the procedure as approved by the court and upon information and belief was implemented without obtaining court approval for the same. Judge Durkin's going to lose his fucking mind. I've already heard Judge Durkin lose his mind during some of the contempt hearings because there was a very specific court order on how things were to get paid. When this comes into the Illinois court, if it has not already, Judge Durkin's going to lose his ever-loving mind about this because it completely, I mean, there's nothing else you can do to Tom Girardi. He's been disbarred. He's in a conservatorship, but, and the firm's in, bankrupt. There's there's no one really to punish. He's going to yell at co-counsel, but I don't think co-counsel knew about this. How did how did Edelson PC not know about this? But Girardi Keese was the firm that was liaising with Boeing. And during the contempt hearing, we heard Jay Edelson from Edelson PC saying, when I talked to the lawyers at the firm, they were saying the money from Boeing hadn't come in yet and Edelson didn't know. And what we're hearing again and again in this case is from the federal judge's attorney, and we'll get there in a minute, she didn't know that the money was coming from client trust accounts. She just thought he had tons of money. What we're hearing from Erica Girardi, as unpleasant as some of the things she says on social media are, and as outrageous as it is, there is still room to believe that as to some of this, she didn't know where the money was coming from. And co-counsel didn't know where money was coming from. But he's directly violating court orders about where money's going. So by 2020, just doesn't give a fuck, it seems. The trustee alleges that on January 31st, 2020, Cal 2 notified Boeing in writing of the change of the original fee transfer direction. As Cal 2 had consented to have Girardi Keese's fee distribution on the $3.5 million be made 50% to Cal 2, 50% to Girardi Keese. The amount to be paid for the four settled cases not previously paid was $3.4 million. So the amount to be paid to Cal 2 was $1.72 million and the amount to Girardi Keese was $1.72 million. The trustee alleges that in or about March 2020, Boeing wired Cal 2 $1.7 million and the other to Girardi Keese. The trustee is informed and believes and based thereon alleges that Cal 2 sent its demand to Boeing for payment. And at the time Cal 2 received the payment, Girardi Keese had already paid itself in full for all of the Boeing settlements. Whether or not a settlement had been consummated and funded, all in direct violation of a court order that required a specific procedure be followed by the parties once the settlement was finalized. So the trustee is also trying to disgorge these funds from the lender. The trustee alleges that the Boeing settlement paid directly to Cal 2 and Girardi Keese in part caused Girardi Keese to have a shortfall of the necessary amount to pay its clients. As noted by the presiding district court, the funds were stolen. As such, there were insufficient settlement payments to pay the clients their share of the settlement, the widows and orphans. The trustee alleges that shortly after Cal 2 received the wire transfer from Boeing, 
Girardi advised DiNardo that the money should not have been sent to Cal 2, but should have been paid to Girardi Keese's co-counsel, Edelson PC, who was yet to be paid their co-counsel fees. Yep. So Edelson PC was not yet paid their co-counsel fees, but Girardi Keese had already received the money to make the payment. When so advised, this alleges DiNardo professed ignorance that Girardi Keese had co-counsel in the Boeing case, indicating that he would return the money if appropriate. The money was never returned, footnote 17. Uh, Girardi was partially right. However, none of the $3.5 million should have been sent to Girardi Keys or Cal 2 as Edelson was owed $2.5 million and the clients were to receive $2 million. Whether DiNardo knew that Edelson was Girardi Keys' co-counsel or not is not relevant as Cal 2 monitored the proceedings and Edelson's name appeared on all pleadings and was on the service list. Yeah, you can't profess ignorance when it's listed literally fucking everywhere. This goes on to allege that after her appointment, the trustee commenced her review of Girardi Keese's books and records, including the IOLTA trust account. Although yet to be completed upon information and belief, Girardi Keese's client trust account are out of trust by at least $23 million. The trustee's review also disclosed that there was no adherence to the sanctity of the trust accounts with funds flowing in and out of the trust accounts without regard to the source of the funds or the basis for the disbursement. The trustee alleges that at all relevant times, the CFS defendants knew or should have known that there were irregularities involving the Girardi Keys trust accounts, and yet it continued to support Girardi Keys' operations by providing referrals. This is going to give a lot of context to the case that Edelson PC has brought for racketeering. It then gets into the claims for relief, talking about how uh, these individuals work together to prop up this this fraud of a law firm. It's really, truly the most staggering thing I've ever seen. I, I still don't think I have wrapped my head around how bad this is. And it's not done. We're seeing in the other lawsuit that we're going to talk about right now, allegations that Tom Girardi and the Girardi Keys Law Firm were using Erica's businesses and Erica too, though I don't think she knew as much as others are alleging she knew. Um... She might have pretended she knew all of what was going on. I don't know if she knew all of what was going on. That they were using her businesses as essentially shell companies to move money around uh, for tax avoidance. If that's true, the thing that is going to bite Erica the worst is the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board. Not the racketeering lawsuit from Edelson PC. Not these lawsuits from Ron Richards. But the tax the tax collector is going to have their day because those allegations aren't going away. And the way he's treating this client trust account, I would not be surprised if the money is free-flowing within the businesses as well. Let's take a look at Erica's winning court real quick. I, I might have bitten off more of a podcast episode than I thought it when I started, than I thought it, than I thought when I started this. Uh, we're in for a long one today, folks. Let's look at Erica's winning court real quick before we move on. This is one of numerous lawsuits going on outside the bankruptcy court. This lawsuit that we're going to be talking about is between former co-counsels of Girardi Keys against Tom Girardi, Girardi Keys, Erica, EJ Global, David Lira, and Robert Finnerty. It is proceeding outside of the bankruptcy on some aspects. Part of that is Erica, con them continuing to litigate against Erica. Erica is not in the bankruptcy. 
David Lira is not in the bankruptcy. Robert Finnerty is not in the bankruptcy. So the non-bankruptcy parties, this litigation is continuing between the law offices of Sheldon and, and the law offices of Robert Finn. So former co-counsel didn't get paid. They're proceeding outside the stay of bankruptcy as regard to everyone that's not Tom Girardi and Girardi Keys. That's kind of the lay of the land. Erica Girardi made a motion for summary judgment. A motion for summary judgment means, hey, Your Honor, on the law, this shit can't fly. The court today, as I was finishing prepping for this episode, the court today also moved up the hearing for a judgment on uh, the pleadings with regard to Erica's company, EJ Global. What we're going over today just goes to Erica Girardi, the individual. I imagine we will see the same thing happen in short order with EJ Global, but this case is getting ready to go to trial with regard to David Lira and others, which I think would be very interesting. No, it's probably not going to be televised. This is in state court, not federal. I don't think anyone's made a motion to televise it. I need to see if anyone's going to do that. I have questions. This is a redacted tentative ruling. This has been ordered to be finalized. They've ordered the attorneys to finalize the judgments and submit them to the court. But this is a redacted tentative ruling. Why is it redacted? Well, we're going to get into some of the stuff that's redacted out of this case, but there are some things in this case that have been redacted for privacy. Plaintiffs allege against Erica Girardi a cause of action for aiding and abetting a breach of fiduciary duty. If you're going, wait, if it's not her fiduciary duty, how can she aid and abet a breach of fiduciary duty? To which I would say yes. That is the question to ask. A cause of action for aiding and abetting breach of fiduciary duty must allege one, a third party's breach of fiduciary duty owed to plaintiff. Defendant's actual knowledge of the breach of fiduciary duties. Three, substantial assistance or encouragement by defendant to the third party's breach. And four, the defendant's conduct was a substantial factor in causing the harm to the plaintiff. Plaintiffs failed to establish the first element of aiding and abetting breach of fiduciary duty. Plaintiffs did not dispute that Erica did not owe a fiduciary duty to them. Instead, they argue that third party owed a fiduciary duty to them and that Ms. Girardi aided and abetted that third party in breaching the fiduciary duty owed to them. Third party, her husband, Tom Girardi. To maintain this cause of action, therefore, plaintiffs must show the existence of a fiduciary relationship between the third party and themselves, the breach of which Erica Girardi aided and abetted and plaintiffs failed to do so. The third party, Ms. Girardi, allegedly aided and abetted Thomas Girardi and his firm, Girardi Keys. However, under the law in California, attorneys do not owe fiduciary duties to their co-counsel. You can't breach a duty that you don't owe. As much as you want to get to Erica, you can't do it this way. The court goes on to say plaintiffs provide no authority for the position that Girardi or Girardi Keys were fiduciaries to plaintiffs. The court finds that plaintiffs have not shown the existence of a fiduciary duty between themselves and third parties. On this basis alone, the court grants summary judgment in favor of Erica. She's yeeted out of the case, but the court doesn't stop there. They have more to say. The court has more to say. But this, again, the court, people keep trying to make fetch happen with Erica, and I completely understand it. There is no question that her lifestyle was funded by Tom Girardi's fuckery at the expense of his client. It does not mean that she will legally be held to account and have that money disgorged back to other individuals, even though morally it seems like the correct result. Legality and morality are going to be different in this case. She benefited, but there is still nothing to show, particularly in this case, that she knew. 
that Tom Jordy didn't pay co-counsel that she didn't even know existed. Let's get into the court saying that. Element two, defendant Jordy's actual knowledge of the breach of fiduciary duties. The gravamen of the plaintiff's claims against Erica is that she was a beneficiary of Girardi and Girardi Keese's alleged misappropriation of funds through her company, EJ Global, through which she received alleged misappropriated funds from Girardi and Girardi Keese. Plaintiff's attempts to show actual knowledge are not based on any direct evidence, but rather an inference derived from circumstantial evidence. They rely on the income and expense schedule, which is Exhibit K below. Though you can prove things by circumstantial evidence, it's not, the court is not finding that compelling here. And this shows some of the business things in a chart. Erica Girardi formed EJ Global on July 28, 2008. Income and expenses from that date through 2014. Income year 2008, income zero, expenses 330,000. 2009, income 10,000, expenses 1.5 million. 2010, income 11 million, expenses 3.9 million. 2011, income 57 million, expenses 3.8 million. 2012, uh, income 51,000, expenses 4.5 million. 2013, income 6,000, expenses 2.8 million. 2014, income 13,000, expenses $3.6 million. This was being funded by not her. But the court goes on to say, Plaintiff's argument is that since EJ Global earned partly income but paid massive expenses, it was a sham business and used to pay for Ms. Girardi's extravagant lifestyle, but was funded by Girardi Keys. In her deposition, Erica said, quote, now we get a little glimpse into the deposition of Erica Girardi in this case. Listen, they did all the books at Girardi Keys. They were in charge of all the ledgers. So that's where the invoices were sent. And that's where they were paid out. I didn't do the invoices. I just thought that it would all be taken care of. I didn't really ask. Like, it's not like I was raking in millions of bucks. I didn't know what they were doing down there. Plaintiff's Exhibit A, redacted deposition testimony of Erica Girardi. This is the head in the sand. Yes. EJ Global was audited in 2017. The Franchise Tax Board argued that the expenses paid were consistent with a hobby rather than a business. Yeah, because she wasn't bringing in enough income. And after the audit, the Franchise Tax Board assessed penalties based on its failure to pay taxes because it was a hobby, not a business. This evidence is irrelevant, the court goes on to say. Ms. Girardi's lavish and extravagant hobby funded by spouses' community property is not evidence of quote-unquote actual knowledge of any breach of fiduciary duty between Girardi, Girardi case, and plaintiffs. In fact, plaintiffs admit directly, Ms. Girardi has no knowledge of, never communicated with plaintiffs, Tom Girardi, or anyone at Girardi Keys regarding, and has never participated in any A of the plaintiff's reported agreements or transactions with Girardi Keys or Tom Girardi relating to the TXI cases, plaintiff's request for payment of fee sharing or fee splitting related to the TXI cases, the repayment of Girardi Keys of any of the funds. The court goes on to quote the plaintiffs as saying, quote, Ms. Girardi was completely unaware of, did not participate in, and did not provide any assistance of any nature regarding any conduct or scheme by anyone, including Girardi Keys and Tom Girardi, with the object or goal of harming plaintiffs or depriving plaintiffs of the money plaintiff claimed was due to them. Plaintiffs claim that these undisputed facts are irrelevant, but both of these facts are relevant to the second and third elements of aiding and abetting a breach of fiduciary duty, the requirement for actual knowledge and the substantial assistance and encouragement. And this is going to be hard in the cases with any clients 
trying to seek funds from Erica Girardi. The ex of um, Nicholas Cage's case, a fiduciary duty was owed between Tom Girardi and the client, trying to show that Erica Girardi had actual knowledge of that client and provided a substantial assistance and encouragement is going to be almost impossible, just like it was in this case. The court goes on to say in its tentative ruling, the court finds that there exists no triable issue of material fact as to Ms. Girardi having, quote unquote, actual knowledge of plaintiff's claim of the existence of a fiduciary breach or a fiduciary duty between plaintiffs and Girardi keys and Girardi. The court therefore grants the summary judgment. Erica's out of this case. That's a final terminal ruling. And this is one less lawsuit she has to deal with. Her company is still in this. I think her company will be yeeted out of this as well. But this is going to be problematic for anyone Girardi had a fiduciary duty to. Different than the racketeering case. But some of these other cases are the same, the breach of fiduciary duty. Now, remember, in the Rigomas case, they're doing a debtor exam to try to find out where the fuck the community property went. That's different than suing Erica directly and trying to take some of the money back. But it doesn't matter because most of her shit's going up for auction, which is what we need to talk about next. So we talked about the $750,000 earrings. And now we're talking about the auction. The bankruptcy trustee for Girardi Keese has made the application to auction off the earrings and other property. Erica has appealed the decision to have the earrings turned over to the bankruptcy trustee, but she did not make a stay to the appellate court saying, hey, but you can't sell them yet. We'll see if that happens. It could. But Let's see what the bankruptcy trustee has to say. The trustee says on January 25th, 2022, the trustee filed a motion in the Erica advisory seeking turnover of the earrings. The earrings were delivered to the trustee as the parties attempted to resolve the issues. However, the parties could not resolve the issues. And after further briefing and argument on July 11th, 2022, the court entered its order granting the motion for turnover. The earrings were turned over to the bankruptcy trustee. On August 18th, 2022, a former quote-unquote friend of Tom Girardi, the mistress, the mistress, the federal judge mistress, turned over to the trustee jewelry, which she and the trustee believe were purchased by the debtor. The pieces are a small Tiffany heart-shaped white gold and pave diamond necklace, a small Cartier gold and pave diamond necklace, a Bulgari pearl and diamond necklace, a, and diamond stud earrings, approximately 1.75 carats each, paren, the quote-unquote friend's jewelry. The mistress's jewelry. Was the red underwear hers too? I need to know. This is the jewelry, including almost two carat studs. That's not total. That's per stud. The trustee believes the auction value of the friend's jewelry is between ten dollars and $15,000. The trustee seeks to sell the earrings and the friend's jewelry. And then they go through needing a bonded auctioneer and all of the technical legal, but they also include pictures of the earrings. Now, what's alleged in this motion is that these earrings, and if you are listening, I am sorry, you have seen them. Erica wears them in the Aspen episode. That's the last time we see them in Real Housewives because this all goes down after the ladies get back from Aspen. But it is alleged in this motion that these are seven carats each. They are being called the Girardi earrings in this, uh, in this attachment to the motion for the auction. Seven 
carrots each. No wonder they pull her ears down and make them all droopy and sad. We saw them last season too. I've talked about them before when all these motions went down. Seven carrots each. So while the auction is kicking off September 21st for personal property from the Pasadena house, including the piano, the art, you can go on the auctioneer's website and see that property. It's going to be a live auction at the property, which is so weird. You can go to the Pasadena house and like bid on stuff. I think you have to apply. I don't know. That's too rich for my blood. What I don't want is any of the Girardi property, but I understand There are some things that people might want. And the money that goes for those auction items will go back into the bankruptcy estate to be paid out to the creditors. So if things don't sell, then the money doesn't go into the estate and can't be paid out to those who are creditors. So there is, I don't know, even though there's an ick factor to it, there's like an ick factor, but also not. What was interesting in this motion for me is there was a lot of information about how the how the auction would be insured, the insurance on the earrings, the armored truck to move the earrings around, how the earrings will be secured. There's a lot of conversation about how much that will cost, who's auctioning them off, who's appraising them, security to go get them appraised and get them back to the bank's lockbox and all of that. So there was lots of information about these earrings. The thing that was most interesting to me was that they are actually literally seven carats per earring. I mean, and to be fair, the mistress only got two carrot studs. So, I mean, you know, the wife definitely got the bigger earrings. I was also shocked that the affair went on for, you know, four years. We need to talk a little bit about the judge. When I said so much happened at the end of August, very beginning of September, I was not joking. Like all of the shit popped off right before Labor Day weekend. And this piece by the LA Times, it'll be linked down below. A judge's affair with Tom Girardi, a beachfront condo, and a $300,000 wire from his law firm. Trisha Bigelow, then presiding judge of the state appeals court in downtown Los Angeles, wanted a weekend place at the beach. She found an oceanfront condominium in a prime area of Santa Monica in 2015 and embarked on a luxurious makeover later described in a rental listing. Custom kitchen cabinets, high-end appliances, a built-in wine fridge, a soaking pub, and furnishings in an elegant nautical theme as one does with their beach house. To pay the substantial price tag, she did not have to rely on her judicial salary alone. Tom Girardi, the powerful attorney with whom she was having an affair, wired her $300,000 the week she closed on the Ocean Avenue property, according to financial records filed in a state court lawsuit. The wire did not come from Girardi's personal bank account, nay, nay, but rather from a trust account containing settlement money for clients of his Wilshire Boulevard law firm. At the time of the transfer to Bigelow, the account held funds owed to cancer victims and other residents of a polluted Inland Empire community who had sued cement manufacturers in Riverside Superior Court in 2008. To this day, many of the victims have not received their full settlements, according to the bankruptcy claims from dozens of former clients and their relatives. Quote, we never got a dime, Michelle Gans, a claimant in the bankruptcy case whose mother, Sandy, lived near one of the cement plants and died of lung cancer, said. Quote, We did everything they said we needed to, and they just never paid out. Bigelow retired last year from the Second District Court of Appeal in response to questions from the Times, her attorney, Alan Jackson, former L.A. County Deputy District Attorney, by the way. Her attorney, Alan Jackson, wrote in an email that the $300,000 transfer, quote, 
was not marked as coming from a Girardi Keys trust account and that she had no reason to suspect he was drawing on client funds. Funny, that's what his wife said too. Weird. This goes on to talk about the four-year extramarital affair that Judge Bigelow was earning over $200,000 a year on her judicial salary and was well-respected and was tapped to oversee the education of all new judges in the state. It goes on to say that Bigelow's lawyer said in emails that Girardi never shared anything with her regarding the source of any gifts. Earlier this month, after receiving an inquiry from the Times, she returned what she said were all the presents she received from the disgraced lawyer. I wonder if she's going to be returning the $300,000. I guess we'll see. So the um, the earrings and everything else we've already talked about in the motion for the auction, that's going to be turned over. The last thing that I think you might be wondering is how is Erica paying for this litigation? Well, that information broke on September 2nd, again from Law 360 and the reporting of Brandon Lowry. How is Erica paying? Let's see. Erica Girardi received money from a Florida plaintiff's firm. A well-known Florida plaintiff's firm attorney has given at least $750,000 to reality television star Erica Girardi as her husband's law firm Girardi Keys went bankrupt amid allegations that it stiffed lenders and stole from its clients, according to court records reviewed by Law 360. James Wilkes, the second's firm, Wilkes & Associates, began wiring six-figure payments to Erica Girardi just two months before her husband, Tom Girardi, admitted to stealing millions of dollars from his clients in December 2020 according to the document. Erica Girardi has since been fighting with bankruptcy trustees over money and valuables that would go to repay her husband's victims and other creditors. Wilkes is also providing legal advice and acting as a personal lawyer to Erica Girardi, according to documents from a lawsuit filed by two attorneys, the one Erica just got removed from, who say Tom Girardi failed to pay them millions in referrals fees. The information came from a document publicly filed in Los Angeles Superior Court last month that was incompletely redacted. Social media users accessed the document and posted the redacted text online. Law 360 was also able to see the redactions. So somebody gave them the unredacted document. Erica Girardi, whose stage name is Erica Jane, star on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. On Friday, Wilkes said he and his ex-wife have known Erica and Tom for 20 years and remained friends with Erica. He said he would not comment further because the information came from sealed court records. Quote, I would like to rebut the comments made on social media, but I can't right now. I, assure, I can assure you that at the appropriate time, which hopefully is sooner rather than later, we will respond. Erica's attorney, Evan Borges, said in an email late Friday that a judge had found the information to be irrelevant and ordered it sealed. Because it is. Where she's getting the money from is legally irrelevant. But don't we all want to know? Quote, also, the underlying information and truth were disclosed to the Girardi Keys bankruptcy trustee and her counsel months ago. They are the ones with a charge to look at Erica's finances, and they not only have raised no objection, but we have offered them assistance in going after the real bad actors in the Girardi Keys debacle, Borges wrote in an email. He added that he has found Wilkes to be an attorney of impeccable ethics and a genuine friend to Erica. Wilkes, 71, is a trial lawyer known for his multi-million dollar lawsuits against nursing home operators on behalf of injured parties. With some high-profile verdicts reaching into the tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, Tom Girardi counted Wilkes among his trusted friends, dating back to at least the early 2000s. Two attorneys suing Tom Girardi over alleged unpaid referral fees filed a document last month that detailed Wilkes' payments to Erica Girardi. 
Their attorney, by the way, is Ron Richards, who posted the document that most of this was derived from on Twitter. I don't know how they got to the incomplete redaction, but I saw the incomplete redaction on Reddit. In October 2020, Wilkes and the financial controller of his law firm opened a Wells Fargo bank account with Erica Girardi in Tampa, Florida, and wired the first 150000 to her. She filed for divorce the following month. Now, on the show, Erica did talk about kind of having to grab the Baccarat champagne glasses and run, but it sounds like a friend of the couple wired her $150,000 the month before she filed for divorce. So did the friend know the divorce was coming? Did the friend know that the chips were about to fall the way that they did? I don't know. The timing is interesting that she got wired $150,000 to a bank account in Florida the month before she walked out, right before the Edelson PC filing, right before everything went down in Illinois. It says that the next wire for another 100,000 landed in December, uh, December 30th, 2020. Erica received another 150,000 on April 2nd, 2021. In all, she has received at least $750,000, the documents alleged. So how is Erica paying? Looks like a friend of the family was helping her pay. The question it raises with me is, did Erica know how big this iceberg was when it started to get uncovered. I don't know. She knew she had to get out and she knew something was coming because she left right before all of this came rolling out. It leaves me with questions. She's allowed, people are allowed to give each other money. They're allowed to give their friends money. This attorney's allowed to give her whatever he wants. That's not really a problem. The timing is interesting because it makes me wonder as it was going south, what she knew, what Tom said to her, at the end. I don't know what she knew 10 years ago. I don't know what she knew four years ago. But at the end of 2020, what did she know? I want to hear your thoughts about that. For the Patreons, I want to hear you on Patreon. If you are on Patreon, keep your eyes peeled for a posting about when the celebration boxes will be available for you to purchase. If you're not on Patreon and you want to be, you are welcome to join me over there at lawnardsunite.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a Lawnard. This is kind of a long one. But man, this is everything that has gone down in just the last like week. This case is far from done and we are going to be covering it until it is done. And with that, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a Lawnard. I hope you are as outraged as I am. I am. This is outrageous. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts about it all over social. And don't forget, if you're on your favorite podcasting app, leave the podcast a review. It actually, it matters, I'm told. Go ahead and like and subscribe on the YouTube things. And I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a Lawnard. May your families be well. I started in the wrong spot. Don't care. We're rolling with it. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your gas not be $7. May your lawyer pay you when they're supposed to. And may the odds be ever in your favor. I will talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>